0: Hello, and thanks for listening to Healthcare 360, a podcast by Beth Israel I'm Rob Fields. I'm the Chief Clinical Officer here at BILH. And I have a new friend and colleague, Kristen Silva, over the last few months that I joined and excited to hear about all the work that she's been doing in primary care. But Kristen, thanks for joining us and thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So if you can tell us a little bit about what you do and what brought you to this journey this part of your journey anyway
1: sure so i've been in the healthcare industry for almost 20 years now i started in patient registration admitting answering the switchboard so i was the wow. voice you heard when you called the hospital and i opened all hold, the hospital's please. mail yeah, yes <laughs> yep i didn't really put people on hold it was a huge switchboard and it had hundreds of numbers and you just knew oh wow transfers transfer transfer <laughs> And then during nursing school, I was a nursing assistant on the float pool. So I worked in all the floors across the hospital. And then my first job out of nursing school was at this same small community Mm -hmm. hospital up in rural New Hampshire in the emergency room. Loved, loved, loved that job. Small community hospital, like I said, the president of the hospital would eat breakfast and lunch in the cafeteria. He would walk down the hall and knew everybody's name, which I just thought was really cool. So I worked there for a couple of years but then obviously was still early on in my career, really wanted to get as much perspective on healthcare as I could, as much experience, loved learning new things, loved meeting new people. So I went into travel nursing for a couple of years Uh and I would do winters on the West Coast out in California and then come back (laughs) and do summers on the East Coast. Loved it. But a couple years years a couple contracts into that I started noticing every hospital that I went to would say the same thing to me they would say yeah I know it doesn't really make sense why we do it this way but that's just the plug in the name of the organization right right. that's just the Leahy way that's just the BI way that's just the mission way whatever it was and so I started to be like well this is kind of silly because you guys are all having the same issues but you all think your issues are unique to you right So fast forward, I decided I was ready to pick a place that I wanted to settle down and start to work on my master's. My family's all from the East Coast, so I knew I didn't ever want to land too far away from them. Ended up back here in Boston, was working on my master's, and had been with an organization for a couple of years where you really start to see these problems Mm -hmm. that I had heard about as a travel nurse, and I started to feel the burnout. That is so prevalent in healthcare. I started to experience that moral injury, that mm-hmm. place where you feel like your values are being challenged by the issues that you're facing at work. And you feel like you're facing the same problems over and over again. And I got to a place where I no longer felt like I was good for my colleagues. I was no longer good for my patients. Unfortunately, I was at a time where I had some really great relationships with my professors at college, where I was doing my MBA, and they pointed me in the direction of the IHI. And I think we all have these pivotal moments in our Mm -hmm. career that we look back on and go like, wow, that was a turning point or a launching point for me. Right. So I got involved with the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. Their office used to be right r- around r- here somewhere. It's
0: actually it was in this space. <laughs> okay, that's
1: what I thought. I walked in today and I'm like yeah,
0: yeah, this actually oh my gosh, space. this
1: is really weird. I think this is where the yeah, IHI used to be. So anyways. Kevin um, sits in Don
0: old so office. Cool. So cool. That's <laughs> why there's
1: so much good energy here. So yeah, I got involved with the IHI and it really gave me my career back. It gave me back who I was, right? I love people. I love to help people. And I felt like I was no longer a part of the solution, I Mm -hmm. was part of the problem. And so the IHI not only taught me leadership and organizing and change, but they create a safe space for people to practice those skills. So I did a lot of work for them over a number of years, helped run some global campaigns, did a couple of different coaching programs. So I got to network with people across the country in different leadership roles in healthcare. And that job led me to Leahy Health, where I started in 2017 and I've been here ever since. And I choose to stay here, even as we've grown, because at its core, still has that really community feel. So I love that, like, I'm here talking to you today, right? I love that I know the names of all of our staff out in our primary care practices. I know people in the hospitals. I know people that run some of our community programs, our behavioral health programs. Mm -hmm. So I started at Leahy Health in a process improvement role, really like out in the weeds with care teams, helping them make the change that they wanted to see. And then during COVID, had the opportunity to work on a lot of really cool special projects, which led me to the role that I'm in now as the director of nursing for the northern region of BILH primary care.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you really have come from a background with a breadth of experiences geographically, and then now also in terms of the sites of care, starting as an inpatient nurse and now on the outpatient side. That was one of the things I know that I was hoping to discuss with you today is your specific role today in the outpatient setting and in primary care specifically, I guess in some ways it's sort of everything as old as new again, right? When <laughs> when you think about primary care as it was in the general practitioner days, it was physician nurse models were really common, yeah. but a lot less common in the last several decades. And I would guess that the vast majority of primary care physicians that come out of training have not worked extensively with RNs.
1: Right.
0: Why do you think that is? And we can talk about what it means for our future, but why do you think that is?
1: Yeah. So. I always like to try to understand the evolution of Mm -hmm. how we got to where we are and sort Mm -hmm. of peel back things. And like you said, historically, the provider physician nurse model was always there, but I think in primary care, it used to really just be a doctor out in the community right. caring for his patients or her patients, sometimes in their homes mm-hmm. more often than not. And now our physicians and our advanced practice providers have such large panels and they're caring for patients in an office setting. But it's sort of evolved over time where it was very provider centric. And these offices were small and maybe they had one or two people on staff, right? Mm-hmm. And nursing has been a long-standing part of the inpatient care delivery model. But we We've seen lots of changes in the primary care delivery model over time. And I don't know that nursing historically has always been a part of that. And so I think we have a really great opportunity now to just help our primary care providers and our care teams out in the community understand the unique role that nurses can play in primary care and really help design what that team-based care can look like.
0: Before we lose that thought, I would love to understand at a high level anyway, what is that role now? And we'll dive into some details in a bit.
1: But. Yeah. So, you know, as nurses, I think we're uniquely trained to think about the whole patient and really meet them where they are, right? Right. Providers, physicians, advanced practice providers are focused on diagnosis and treatment, right? Let's take all the data, let's make sure we make the right diagnosis, and let's get this patient on the right treatment plan. As nurses, first and foremost, we come in and we see the person, right? We Mm -hmm. think holistically about the patient. And so in the primary care setting, I think the role of the nurse is really to come in with that wraparound care to supplement the important work that our providers are doing around diagnosis and treatment, but then to help understand what is the patient's comprehension of this really complex chronic disease. Do they understand what it means to have diabetes like in their body? Do they understand what that looks like and nurses are well positioned to help a patient break that really complex concept down and then also meet the patient where they are. So let's talk about what does your lifestyle look like at home? What does your home environment even look like? Mm. So I think the role of the nurse, at least for helping to manage chronic complex conditions like diabetes and hypertension is, you know, every few months you're coming in to see your doctor or the nurse practitioner to talk about the medications that you're on and let's, you know, run some labs, but then maybe every other visit is supplemented with coming in to just meet with the nurse. And let's talk about what your goals are as a patient. Let's just spend some time unpacking how does this feel to live with diabetes? Mm. Gosh, you just found out that you're going to start taking insulin. That must be really scary for you. Or has that been hard to navigate at home? Or do you need help getting your medications? Or does your family understand what it's going to look like if you suddenly have really low blood sugar and you become confused? Do they know how to help you in that moment? Right. So I think. When When it comes to chronic disease management, having these regular visits not only with a provider and also with a nurse— to really have it be patient centered. It's time just to focus on you as a patient, do some education, do some empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. Patients, the healthcare system is so complex. It's like even with a PhD, it's hard to navigate sometimes. (laughs) My mom and I both work in healthcare and the two of us sometimes have to sit down to try to figure out what the heck is going on with our own personal bills and statements of benefits and all of this stuff, right? So I think nurses can also just be a lifeline to help patients navigate this and know the right questions to ask the right people to go to the right resources that are available
0: presumably all of those benefits that you just described have always been true right because Mm -hmm. nurses have had that perspective as core to the discipline
1: it is it's the true essence of what it is to be a nurse
0: and but as we discussed for many years at least at this point in primary care you know less true in the specialty environment because specialists often there are many specialists that continue to have RNs in the office as a core part of the team as we discussed Luster in primary care. So why now? Why a resurgence now? Or is, why is BILH reinvesting in nurses as part of the primary care team and not, let's say, 10 years ago in quite the same way?
1: Yeah, well, I think specifically for us at BILH primary care, we finally just have the economies of scale to really come together as a true system and see the opportunity to invest in this as an organization at an organizational level. I think maybe historically, when you had just individual private provider practices, panels were maybe smaller. 10 years ago, care was maybe less complex. And so a provider was able to care for a couple hundred patients on their own. I think care is so complex now, and we really, the opportunity, right, I think change, you can see the opportunity, but you have to wait till the culture is ready to accept it. You can see the leaky faucet dripping, but you have to wait till you have a bucket there to catch it, for people to be ready for it. And I think a term that is used a lot is disruptive innovation, right, this concept that like, you have to wait for things to just get so, not bad, it's not that things are bad, but just be so broken that you have to say, we can can no longer keep on doing the things the way we've been doing them. We can't just push and do more and work harder. We actually have to, Break apart the system and come up with new ways of working. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I agree. Nurses and providers have always worked together, but some of what we're trying to do maybe has not ever been done before, right? We're in uncharted territory coming out of COVID, living in a world of telemedicine, living in a world where healthcare is influenced so much by consumerism, right? right? So, operationally, we can book a flight on our phone and we can binge watch a whole season's worth of a netflix show we want to have those same expectations of our healthcare team and so those aren't things that we've done in the past we have to kind of break the system and rebuild it
0: as it relates to nursing in that process there's the innovation side and then you also you know alluded to the fact that to some degree there has to be a burning platform right like things have to get bad. I know you said they're not that bad, but like there are things that are kind of rough right now. You, sp- you referenced your own journey with burnout as a nurse. I know you see it all the time in our primary care physicians and the staff in the clinics. They are also experiencing the same things. How do you view the folks that you work with, the nurses and the practices and the folks that you lead, how do you view them as part of that solution, right? Because you've gone through it yourself and so you probably have a special layer of sensitivity to that. How do you feel like the nurses contribute to improving that for the primary care docs and their teams?
1: Yeah, so I think we're at the unique place where sort of all of these things come together. It's like a matrix of all of these connections firing Uh off. So we're at a point where, again, coming out of COVID, I think people have reset their mind on truly what it feels to have work-life balance. I think we're also in a place where healthcare is so complex, patient care is so complex that you need a team. And in order to have team-based patient-centered care, everybody on the team needs to know their role. So I think one of the first places that we start in a role that I play and all of the nurses play is just helping find our seat on the primary care care team. As a standard part of the care delivery model, what is the unique role that the nurses play and help, you know, we're going to have to message it and demonstrate it and prove it over and over again to say, this is the unique value that we can provide and this is how we fit into this patient provider model. So I think it starts with roles and responsibilities and have everybody having a clear understanding of each person's job on the team. And as nurses, we need to help our team members understand what that looks like and to continue to advocate for our position and demonstrate the unique value that we bring yeah and I think there's some patient education that goes along with this right if you've been with your provider for 10 years and you're used to calling up the office and you get a direct line to them or their medical assistant and you're used to when you go in the office and you see your doctor Patients have to understand that that might change too. And it's a good thing, right? Like we said, sometimes the nurse is the right person at the right time to provide the right care for you. So let's just expand our minds that your care team now is not only your doctor, it's also the medical assistant who plays a really unique role in getting the provider ready for your visit. And it's the nurse who's going to help do that wraparound care in addition to seeing your provider face to face every once in a Mm -hmm. while and also working with all of these other team members who are equally invested in patient outcomes and patient quality.
0: Yeah, you've alluded to it just then and a couple of times before in terms of the change management parts of what you're trying to accomplish. Part of the disruption is implementation, right? and, Mm -hmm. And moving things forward. Can you talk generally about the challenges of Implementing this resource, this part of the workforce, yeah, but also the stuff that's a wrap around the policies, procedures, all that stuff. And then, in particular, doing it here because we're a new system just out of COVID, as you mentioned. That must have been particularly hard, right? It's hard anyway, but I would imagine that was particularly challenging.
1: Yeah. So I love human psychology. I love thinking about and unpacking psychology of change, right? And I love change, right? I was a travel nurse. I love every three months packing my suitcase and going someplace new. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, change is hard for me. So I think when you are gonna talk about change management, you have to first understand it's human nature to sort of hold both of these things true at the exact same time. Yeah, A lot of us are really excited for change. We're eager for change. We want things to get better, but change is scary. We don't always know what's on the other side of that mountain. To help people get through change, we need to encourage them and help them feel confident that they're going to be able to perform and succeed well and do well and have the things that they need when that change comes, right? Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to just show up to work and do a good Job. So I think the challenge of change is really just understanding the psychology of it. That it's hard. It's hard to get off your bike to change your wheels when you're in a race. And we are doing so much, so fast right now. We're all moving in so many directions that it's also sometimes hard to step away from the work to gain that alignment so that everybody is moving forward with change Mm -hmm. in the right direction, right? It's like, geese flying south Mm -hmm. in the winter. They all form a V. They all know the role that they play. They all take turns leading, but they've got to come together on that alignment. So I think for us as a system, I'm really excited to see us coming together, having alignment at the system level and having those goals then cascade down to each of us in our individual units. I think we lose that synergy and scale. We lose the true essence of coming together as a system if we don't take time to figure out how to work as one. And then in terms of change management, one of the other challenges I think that is not as prevalent in like the manufacturing process improvement world, but is true for us in healthcare is data, right? So when you're working with teams around change, you need to make the change evident. People need to see it, they need to feel it. You need to make it visible and tactical and tangible. And because we are such a human process, sometimes it's hard to get in the moment just-in-time data that actually shows our team, see, we are improving, right? We don't want to make a change today in a daily workflow that then we have to say, well, you've got to wait 10 years and see see if that actually made an impact. That's really hard to garnish the involvement and to bring people in in their hearts and minds to want to be a part of the change when you can't see the impacts of it. So I think that's one of the other challenges. I will say what we have going for us is we have really strong... Teamwork at sort of the leadership level in primary care. When you're planning a large-scale change initiative, you're going to spend time planning, sure, but you're never going to get it right from the outset. You're never going to be able to think of every possible angle, and you've got to just get started, and you've got to figure some things out as you go, but that requires that everybody that's on the team with you going through that change has compassion and grace for one another when things go wrong. Right. or when they don't go as planned, because they won't always go as planned. And you have to be able to say, gosh, I'm sorry. And you also have to be able to accept that apology from somebody and realize it wasn't intentional. Nobody went out of their way to make a mistake or leave somebody out or have something like go terribly wrong. We all just have to understand this concept of like failing, right? Failure is just the first attempt at learning. So we're going to go through this together. There's going to be bumps along the way, but we've all got our best interests at heart, assume best intent, believe best intent in everybody. And I think that's the strength that we have that will help us overcome all the challenges that exist with change management.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. How do your, the nurses that you're hiring, these are, I'm going to guess, new roles for them too, or maybe they've had enough ambulatory experience. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's a mix of both. I think a lot of our nurses are very seasoned, either ambulatory or primary care nurses. Wow. A yeah. lot of our our legacy practices, like for example, our legacy practices that were affiliated with Leahy Hospital and Medical Center in Burlington way before the merge, right? Mm-hmm. Those primary care nurses, they've been there for a long time. Primary care nursing is like their specialty. It's their bread and butter. Right. They've been doing triage. Triage is a really hard skill to learn. Yeah. I tell every new nurse that joins us, be patient with yourself. It's a tough skill to learn how to see a patient with your eyes over the phone and develop that sort of spidey sense your gut when something's just not right. But we do have some really seasoned nurses that primary care is their specialty. And then I think we have a lot of nurses who are either new out of nursing school or they're coming to us from the inpatient setting, Mm -hmm. hungry for a change, a different pace. It's not to say slower. Primary care is very busy. It does not stop all day long, but it's a different type of busy. It's a different type of acuity, right? Mm -hmm. It's a different type of emotional toll that it takes on you. In the hospital, it's like, Hot and heavy all at once, right? You have a patient that you're taking care of on your shift for 12 hours or for one or two days, back-to-back shifts. And then, you know, you have a couple days off, you go back to work, and that patient's hopefully been discharged and moved on to their Mm -hmm. next, you know, thing in life. But in primary care, we see these patients, even in some of our family medicine practices, for their whole life. And that takes a different toll, right? You really build rapport with these folks and you see their challenges, right? Because again, in the hospital setting, we've removed patients from their day-to-day life and we've sort of we control the environment around them. them. But in primary care in the community, they're out walking the streets in their day-to-day life and they're feeling the effects of loneliness. They're feeling the struggles of paying their medical bills or paying for their Medications or trying to get access to a certain specialty service that is booked out for the next few months. And our nurses go through that with them. They're in the trenches trying to help them navigate the healthcare system. So it's definitely a different emotional load. And I think we're seeing nurses from all walks of life come into the primary care setting because it is such a rewarding place to work because of those relationships. Mm And like I said, coming back to my introduction in the outset, the the small community feel that you have in your practice with your team, with your providers. You you open the door and walk down the hall, they're right there. Mm -hmm. You're talking about patients and trying to make things better all the time. So it's a great place to work. We're very fortunate.
0: As we're kind of closing up the conversation, if everything goes well, what do you think the three main stakeholders as ICM are? the physicians, you know, providers, because the APPs are there as well, the nurses, of course, themselves, and the patients, what do you think they would all say about the experience of nursing and primary care if you execute on your vision the way you want?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think patients would feel trust at the end of Mm -hmm. the day. I think they would feel confident in their care plan. So I think that triangle, the nurses, the providers, the patient, I think it begins with a good experience for all three of them, right? Mm -hmm. So good experience for our care teams at work, right? So if we can clean up the inefficiencies, if we can remove all of those process breakdowns, if we can overcome the moral injury Mm -hmm. that some of our health systems are facing, if we can optimize the care team. So providers and nurses are like cooking with gas and they each know each other's role and they're sort of smooth sailing together. Then when our patients come into that equation, they feel like they're part of a really well-oiled machine and they trust the care that we're prescribing to them. They trust the advice that we're giving to them, right? The perfect diagnosis or the most well-thought-out treatment plan means nothing if the patient doesn't engage in it. Right. because they don't trust their healthcare care team because the last time they were in the office, they told something to one person and then it didn't get communicated to the person right. who needed it right. or their medical records were lost or they left a voicemail and didn't get a call back in a timely manner. These are the operational challenges that we need to overcome to reinstitute that trust and that really great experience, both for our patients and our care teams. That sounds awesome. Great. It's going to be great.
0: <laughs> no, it is already great. Right? It is we're, already we're, great. Yeah, we're, we're on the way. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely on the journey. Kristen, thank you for what you're doing and for joining us today and setting a vision for what you're working on, you and the team, right, the broader yeah. team are working on, and yeah. I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, and thank you for being here at BILH. Excited for all that we're going to yeah. accomplish together.
0: Yeah. So folks are listening, please rate us on your favorite podcast platform and uh, leave any comments or suggestions for future episodes. Thanks for joining us.